Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. I want to uh, give a, a quick update as we get going here on uh, Movement is Coming. If you've been uh, hanging out here a while, you remember that that's our uh, capital campaign we started uh, in 2021. Uh, we said that as, as movement was growing and, and as uh, things were changing around here, we wanted to address some key areas. And so we said we wanted to expand worship services. We wanted to disciple children and students. We wanted to reach in the community. Uh, and plant more churches. And one of the best ways that we thought we could accomplish that uh, was by building our, our first permanent home out on Walker Road across from Bradley High School and Memorial Middle School. And so uh, we, we did what is known as a, a capital campaign. And we asked people to sacrifice and to give. Uh, and, and, and you, us, we as a church, uh, pledged millions of dollars over a couple of years because we wanted to see that uh, a reality. We wanted to have a, a legacy of, of faith and make an impact uh, in the Hilliard community. And so maybe you remember that, uh, that two weeks ago, uh, we shared an update and said that we were having trouble getting past the, the hurdle of, uh, of government. Now, that's not a political statement. That just kind of happens sometimes, right? But we, we were having trouble getting approved, and we asked you to pray specifically about our last two uh, engineering comments and uh, wanted to let you know that Friday is the workday closed. Uh, we were approved and our, our building is passed. And so that is, that is exciting. I may or may not have cried when I read that email. That's none of your business. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but we're excited about that. If you've ever gone through the, the home buying process, uh, I would maybe compare this to the, 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 the moment when they pick your, your, uh, your bid. And then you're like, Oh, that means we have to get a loan and close now. Now we've been working uh, for a long time on our loan, but we will still have to close uh, the paperwork uh, on that this week and, and kind of officially sign off on that in our construction agreement. So it could still be a few a few weeks here, but I wanted to let you know uh, that our steel, some of the main materials was delivered uh, to our property this week. And so I wanted you to see some of these things uh, that are that are happening. So if you if you drive out there, yeah, yeah. I never thought that would be that exciting, but it is. Uh, I went out there with my phone and took pictures. So it was a big deal. Even on my day off, I was like, let's go. Let's get some pictures of this. So uh, just it's, it's exciting time. Uh, you know, like I said, if you want to drive out there and check that out, probably from here on out, there'll be something where you're like, yep, all right, I like that a lot. So uh, stay tuned. We don't have a, a date, but we intend to do a groundbreaking out there. Uh, just have a time that we can celebrate what God is doing. Uh, so stay tuned to, uh, to Instagram and Facebook and, and check your email and we'll let you know as all that stuff is rolling out. But we're excited about what God is doing. And so uh, we, we ask you to, to pray a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I thought it would just be appropriate to say thank you to God and just ask him to continue to guide us uh, as we close on that loan and as we go into that construction agreement and just say thank you for what God is doing. So let's, let's go ahead and do that as we open here. God, thank you so much that you are a faithful God and that you answer our prayers. God, thank you that, that we can come to you as your children. We can ask you things. We can share our hearts. And Lord, that, that you provide. And so God, we just want to say thank you uh, for, for working, for going before us, for the approval of, of these permits and, and things that are uh, 
small things in light of eternity, God, but uh, things that, that we can't change and do on our own. And so, God, we just ask that our eyes will remain on you, that you'll continue to guide us through this process. Lord, we pray for um, just the fine details of, of uh, construction agreements and closing of the loan and, and other things, God. We know that you are in the details of this project, and we want to honor and glorify you. And so we uh, just lift this up, and God, we just say thank you for the ways that you've provided finances through through your church and through your people, through the ways that you have provided learning and, and growth opportunities, and God, for the ways that you have provided just reminders of your character and who you are. And so, Lord, we, we say thank you. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've uh, hung out at Movement Church long enough, you've heard us talk about this concept of ownership. Don already mentioned that we, we often say we want to be a place where people can own their faith and own the church and, and not just run it. And so ownership is kind of our, our version of membership, but it's not just about uh, doing a, a list of things or signing a piece of paper. Uh, we want to encourage some core rhythms that we see in Scripture, some things that we think are key uh, to following Jesus. And so we're, we're taking uh, this, this six-week series just to point us ultimately back to the gospel and then say, what does the gospel compel us to do? We want to, we want it to be obvious that we love Jesus, that we love his church, that we're growing in a relationship with him, but we want to own our faith and ultimately be accountable to each other uh, as a body. And so we've defined ownership as this. Ownership is spending daily time with Jesus, growing to be more like him. Ownership is consistent attendance in our Sunday morning gathering. Ownership is honoring God by giving a portion of our finances back to him. Ownership is involvement in a movement group. Ownership is serving on a volunteer team with your gifts. And ownership is regularly sharing the gospel and working for this to happen around the world. And so this morning, as we continue that conversation, we want to talk about community. We want to talk about community as God has designed it. And I think oftentimes when we have this conversation, we think of that through the lens of movement groups. That's one of the main ways that we try to establish a community here. And so this morning, we want to learn how God's design of community should shape those movement groups, how it should shape our attitudes, how it should shape the way we address community, the way we approach community, and how it ultimately affects our relationship with Jesus. And so if you've got a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn to a passage. We're going to be in First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. And I want to give you some background. The, the book of First Peter was written to encourage a, a group of Christians, a group of people who were under pressure in their faith. And so they were walking through some difficult trials and their, their faith and their morality and their hope was ultimately being persecuted by their culture. And so as this letter was written to this church, this group of people, uh, they were being called on to respond with their lives, with a renewed commitment to the grace of God and not just to, to please God, But uh, they were being called for a renewed commitment to God's design for community so that the world could see God's glory in their day-to-day living. And so I think this is going to be very applicable for us today. I don't want to pretend that uh, the modern American church is the church or the group of people this was written to. I don't want to pretend that we're under the same persecution. But I do think that that culture is leaning on us in some different ways. And those are not just uh, difficult ways. Sometimes I think one of the best ways that, that Satan tricks us in American culture is he gets us to be content. Sometimes American culture can, can trick us because we... We're, we're content and we find ourselves getting relaxed and not living out God's intent. And so the, the verses that we're going to look at today in chapter 2 
are, uh, are talking about what it looks like for us as, as believers to, to strive for holiness. The verses right before these talked about God's people being holy, and it, it urged them to remove things from their lives that, that shouldn't be there. And ultimately, this passage is going to talk about what it means to make Jesus our cornerstone and our foundation. And so let's read verses 9 through 12 together there. First Peter chapter 2, it says this, talking to the people of God, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. I love the way that verse 9 starts talking to the people of God after they've just been urged to, to make sure that their lives are set apart, that their lives look different. This, this verse gets right into their identity. It says, but you are not like that, those examples of other people. It says, you're not like that for your chosen people, your royal priests, the holy nation, God's very own possession. Verse 10 goes on and says, once you had no identity, now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. And so these verses are telling us, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to him, you're walking with him, you are different. Some of you already knew that. You're looking around the room and you're like, that guy's different, right? We're not going to have that conversation quite yet. But, but if we're the people of God, you should be able to, to look at your life and say, you know what? My life doesn't look like everyone else's life. My life doesn't look like the rest of the world. I'm different because when our life is built on Jesus, our life should look different. There shouldn't be evil behavior. There shouldn't be deceit and hypocrisy and jealousy and unkind speech and all the other things that are outlined previously in this passage And so if we're different and we're not like that, we're not like other people, you have to ask like, okay, well, who who are we? What is our identity? And Peter uses some terms that were used to describe God's people, the Israelites in the Old Testament. He uses some terms to, to say, hey, even in what Jesus has done, even in the new covenant, because of what Jesus has done, you're still God's people. And it might not look exactly like it did in the Old Testament, but you're a chosen generation. You're a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, the people of God didn't talk to God. They didn't, didn't interact with God. They would have priests go into the temple, and the priest would do that on their behalf. But now, because Jesus has torn that curtain, torn the veil, we get to interact with God because of the work of Jesus. And so this passage is saying, listen, you can talk to God, and just like the priest would talk with God, you are royal priests. Because of the work of Jesus, you are a royal priest. And that means, just like those priests would have been, we're a part of the team who gets to reconcile people to God and bring people back to him. This is who we are as followers of Jesus. This is not speculation. This is not something that it's like, hey, if you play your cards right, maybe this could happen or maybe this could be the case someday. Because of the finished work of Jesus, you and I, the church, followers of Jesus, are royal priests. That is our identity. And we get to live that identity as a family, 
And that's what this passage is talking about. Why does it, why does it matter that we're a group, even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of frustration, even in the midst of the world leaning on us, we have a changed identity and we need to be reminded of that identity and live that identity as a family. Well, here's why that matters, because left to our own, we can sort of drift away from our identity. Left to our own, we kind of forget who we are and we drift as we live life and things kind of fade. When we're not in community, we think of ourselves as isolated individuals. When we're not in community, we take on our former identity, we live the identity of our former selves, and we think we're alone. When we're not in community, we're isolated, we're alone, and we tell ourselves that we're broken, that we're hurt, that we're unloved. And as the people of God, as the family of God, those things are not true. We are not isolated. We are known and loved. We're not sinful. We're redeemed. We will make mistakes, but Jesus gave his life for those mistakes. We're not alone. We're not broken. We're not hurt. Being the people of God and being the family of God and living that identity as a family changes things. And so community helps us remember our identity in Jesus. We're a changed family living for impact. Our goal for community and movement church is is often executed through our movement groups. And the goal of those groups is this, that we learn more about who we are as we study God's word together. That we anchor ourselves in who we are as we study God's word together. And we live out that corporate identity as we are family for one another. Because left to ourselves, we drift. Left to ourselves, we feel isolated. Left to ourselves, Satan attacks us and tells us that we're hurt, we're broken, we're not enough. And community is one of God's greatest gifts that he's given us to remind us of our identity as his family and our identity that's anchored in him. Verse 12 of this passage says, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. goes on to say, So that they will give honor to God when he judges the world. When you know your identity, when you know your DNA, when you know who you are at your core... It changes the way you live. It changes the way you act. It changes the way you interact with everything, including the world. As followers of Jesus, as a family whose identity is anchored in Jesus, we want to learn to love people. We want to learn to love people inside the church and outside the church. And so we're a family, but not just any family. We're a family of servants. We're a family of servants who, who's compelled by the gospel and our lives look different. And so the way that we interact with people, the way that we love people will look different. 
That's why once a month as movement groups, we, we try to do something outside of ourselves. This month, that's going to be trunk or treat, but other times we've done a reduced Christmas store for the community of Hilliard. Other times we've served in homeless shelters. Many of you have served together in your groups in many different ways, and we're not doing that because it's what churches do. We're not doing that because we want to feel good about ourselves. We're doing that because we have a DNA as the family of God that's anchored in Jesus, and our lives look different, and so our MO is that we serve. Jesus came to serve, to seek and save the lost, and so as his people, we serve. Community helps us remember our attitude of service. Community is not just something that we do because we're like, well, we got to do something. Community is not just something that we say like, see, this is why we're better than those people, or this is how you get in the club. Community is how we're reminded of our DNA and anchored in our DNA. It's how we're remembering to be family, and it's how we remember that our family serves. Left to ourselves, outside of community, we drift. We tell ourselves that we're lonely and isolated and abandoned. And we forget what our lives are supposed to look like. And sometimes, I don't want to speak for you, I'll just speak for me. I can be a little selfish, if I'm being honest, guys. Sometimes we, we end up being selfish and we're, we're isolated and we forget about other people. We don't care about other people. We only care about ourselves. And if we're going to have the DNA of the family of God, our lives have to look different. Community helps us remember that attitude of, of service. Guess, guess what else we are? We're not just family. We're not just servants. We're missionaries. Second half of verse 9 says, As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And so we are missionaries. We're not just nice people, although I hope we're nice people. We're not just people who hand out candy at Trunk or Treat, although that can be fun and can lead to conversations and can open doors in the community. But we are sent on a mission as the people of God, as the family of God, as people who know our DNA, who are anchored in Jesus. We are sent on mission for this world so that this world can know that Jesus gave his life for them, so that they can see his love in us. As we live out our identity of a royal priesthood, Our job is to proclaim the goodness of the gospel in our lives so that people who aren't seeing Jesus, people who aren't following Jesus, will notice there's something different when he transforms a life. And so we don't just get together as groups so that there can be way too many kids in some of your houses. I apologize about that, by the way. We don't just get together because it's cheaper to get a discount on pizza, although isn't that awesome, right? We get together because we need to be reminded of our identity and we need to be sent. We need to pray for each other about the conversations we're having with family members and with neighbors and we need to be reminded that we're on mission. Community helps us do that. That's why God gives us family to shape our identity and that's why God gives us family to shape our attitude because if we're not careful, we drift. And we will drift out of that family. We will drift and forget our identity. We will forget our mission. And we'll be defectors who abandon the cause because it's not important to us anymore. We are family with a shared identity. 
We are family with an attitude of service and we're living on mission. Community helps keep us on mission. Community reminds us of mission. Last week we said that the gathering of the church points us to God's presence and God's power and God's purpose. We said the church is meant to be a Jesus-centered community for the exaltation of God. And we said that joining God's family means embracing blessings and responsibilities. If you want to write something down in your Bible this week, here's our big idea. Just that God calls us to his community to shape our identity, our attitude, and our mission. So an obvious question coming out of that would just be this. Are you in community? I don't mean like, do you follow some Christian accounts on Instagram? Do you call your mom once a week and tell her you came to church? I mean, are you sharing life with other believers and being reminded of your identity? As you're interacting with the family of God, is it shaping your attitude and changing your attitude? Because again, I won't speak for you, but my attitude's not always great. And I drift and I'm selfish and I need people to remind me, hey, the way that you're living, the way that you're talking, that's, that's not really God's intent. God's intent is over here. I need community to remind me to be servant-minded, and I need community to remind me to be on mission. And so are you in community? We see a DNA of community in Scripture. It's not an accident. It's not just bonus points. It's not extra credit if you have time or if you can do it. God wants his church together, and he wants his church interacting Is the Christian life perfect? No, it's not. Is every person in this room perfect? If it's your first week here, let me just let you down real easy. There's some some imperfect people in this church, right? And so because we're imperfect people who are trying to represent a perfect message, a perfect gospel, do Christians and evangelicals and the, the church, the American church, do we always get community right? No. So I think we have to be honest today and say that there are probably people in this room who have been hurt in community. There's probably people in this room who who were a part of a group or who were a part of something and they would look out now and say like, yeah, okay, community, that sounds good. Well, community hurt me. Community hurt my family. Community is the reason that I walked away from the church or walked away from God. And for some of us, it's the reason that we've forgotten our identity. It's the reason that we're, we're off of mission. It's the reason that our attitude and our, our outlook has changed because we're not in community and we're not in community on purpose because that's not for us anymore. We can be wounded in community. And I don't want to skip over that or gloss over that and say that that does not happen. But I, I want to just bring us back to this universal truth that we're talking about today. Something that I know something that I trust, something that I I think sometimes in community we need to lean in and just gently say to our friends, to our brothers and sisters, and, and to remind the family of God this. We are healed in community. You may have been hurt in community, and like I said, I'm not glossing over that, but we are healed in community. And healing might not come from the place that you were hurt, where the wounding took place, but community is needed for healing. Communities give you life. Communities heal you. And I'm sure if you look at your life right now, you could think of a couple communities that are giving you life. It might be your neighbors. It might be your neighborhood and the people you hang out with. It might be the people that you work with. It might be the the people that you share life with. Maybe some of your college friends. It might be your movement group, your small group. 
I was thinking back to just this week, some of the communities that have given me life over the course of, of my, my life. I was thinking about teams I've been on. I was thinking about places that I've worked, a church that I was on staff at. A small group I was in. I was thinking about my nuclear family that I grew up in. And I was thinking about my family now. Communities give us life and communities heal us. And we cannot ignore that. Community shapes who we are and who we're becoming. And so if we're avoiding community, that's changing who you are and who you're becoming. And if you're not pursuing a purposeful community, that's changing who you are and who you're becoming. And if you're not pursuing community that's anchored in Jesus and rooted in God's church, then that's changing who you are. That's allowing some drift. And that's changing who you're becoming. And I don't say that out of judgment. I just say that out of honest truth. Because I I think sometimes the family of God needs reminded of that. See, as Christians, as, as the family of God, we trust and we know that we were made in the image of God. And it's a, it's a complex thing to, to just talk about quickly today, but we know that, that we see God as three persons and we, we understand that he is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so there's a communal aspect even in the way that we see God and we understand God and understand the persons of God. We look back over scripture and and we see like a passage in Genesis where God says, let us make man in our own image. God is talking about that plurality. God is talking about himself and he's not just God the father with a silver beard who looks like Moses or looks like Santa Claus. We see Jesus and we see the Holy Spirit in different moments. We see the Trinity present at the baptism of Jesus. We see a picture of God and we cannot ignore that there's a communal aspect to the way that God is revealed to us. And so it would be crazy to think that there will not be a communal aspect in the things that God calls us to because he himself has that plurality. He himself reveals, this is what I I look like and this is who I am. For us to flourish as God's image bearers, being with and belonging to others is necessary. If we want to echo and, and honor the image of God, it's going to look like the, the persons of God. To be in relationship means that there are going to be moments that we're imperfect. There are going to be moments that we wound others, and there's going to be moments that we have to purposely step into community and and also step into healing. The way that we pursue healing is not through individualism. In fact, if, if we think that we're going to fix everything through individualism, I think you could probably look at Scripture and say, good luck with that. When we come to Jesus for salvation, the root word of that is is salve, and sometimes we hear that and we think of that as healing. And so our salvation is bringing our broken lives to Jesus and saying, Jesus, heal me. And so as we rely on Jesus, as we walk with Jesus, as we look to Jesus, he heals us. And we do not find healing in rejecting God's image, in rejecting God's design, in rejecting his character. 
The rejection of community is, simply put, us kind of denying God's design and walking away from the things he has for us. So I want to ask this morning that we could be people who are walking in community because it's God's design and walking in community because it's what God has for us and it's how he wants to heal us. And when we're pursuing being anchored in him, when we're pursuing a greater maturity in him, we're going to pursue that context of community. God calls us to his community to shape our identity, our attitude, and our mission. And I read some verses last week that I want to highlight again. Romans 12, 4 to 5, that says, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We have a responsibility to each other in community. 1 Peter 4, 8, 9 says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home and with those who need a meal or a place to stay. For God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Ephesians 4, talking about gifts, says, if we're not using them, that we won't reach unity in in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. But when we're using those gifts, when we're invested in community, we can attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And I don't know about you, but I don't want Movement Church to just have a building and for people to say, like, there's that church. I want people to look at us as a group of people. I want them to look at us as a family of God, and I want them to say, there is something different about those people. There is something different about the way they live. There's something different about their lives, something different about their hearts, something different about their marriages, something different about their generosity. Man, those people are different. I want them to look at us and say, I see God in them. I see the fullness of God. I see a full expression of God. I cannot deny what I see in those people. And I believe for that to be truth, that we have to say, God, your your creation of community, it's not an accident. It's something that you've designed and you're, you're calling us to and and we have to be invested. And community won't be perfect. Community involves people and people are messy. And people sometimes can mess up and people can, can wound each other. But we have to be bought in to God's design of community that healing happens in community. That maturity happens in community. That our, our ability to serve and love each other happens in community. And we get to be the family of God in community. We've been talking about this concept of ownership and highlighting a passage in the book of Acts almost every week. And I love looking at these different concepts and, and looking back at Acts chapter 2. And I've said this before, but this church wasn't perfect. But Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47 say this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place. The church, is, as designed, is devoted, is bought in on fellowship. They share meals and they meet together. And so when I say that community reminds us of our identity of family, it's not something that I made up. We see this in God's word, and this is available to us. Our identity is family. 
It goes on to say that they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They were meeting the needs of each other. They were meeting the needs of other people. They were serving other people. And it wasn't because that was convenient or easy. People back then didn't have more money or they weren't less attached to their possessions. No, they knew their DNA. They knew their identity. They were living in community. And as a family, they were being reminded, hey, we're different. And here's our attitude. We're different. We serve each other and we serve the world. And verse 47 says this. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This church, this group of people, this expression of the family of God was anchored in the gospel, anchored and compelled by the love of Jesus. They knew their identity. They knew that they were servants. They knew what they were called to do. And they were sent as missionaries. They were anchored in this DNA and understood that their mission was to be on mission. And so the results that they saw, the lives that they saw transformed and changed were not a coincidence. They were just submitted to and living God's design as his family. Community helps us remember our identity in Jesus. Community helps us remember our attitude of service and community helps keep us on mission. Are you living in community? Maybe, maybe you're someone that's been hurt by community. Maybe you're someone that's been kind of stiff-arming community, holding off community, and, and you feel God saying, what does it look like for you to be in community? Or maybe you're someone who's in community, but you haven't really been living fully like a family. Maybe you think like, yeah, I'll go when I can. I'll go when I need to not going to do the group hangouts. I'm not going to talk to those people because I think they're a little weird. And maybe today God has met you here and reminded you that your DNA, your maturity, your growth is all linked to the way that you view an engaging community. Let's pray together. God, thank you for a reminder. Thank you for the example of your church. And your people, Lord, that community is not an accident. Community is something you call us to. Community is your design, Lord, ultimately. Community is even seen in the way you express yourself to us. And so, God, we, we don't want to deny your image. We don't want to deny your community, Lord. We want to embrace that, not for the sake of checking off a box, but because we want to know you more. We want to be rooted in you. We want to be anchored in you. And we want to live as servants and live on mission. So God, I pray that you help us to lean into community, to have a proper attitude toward community. And God, I pray that you'll give us the humility to pursue community if we've been running away from that. Lord, help us to trust you and trust that healing happens in community. Lord, help us to trust that you heal us and you make us right because of all that you've done. Thank you for giving your life on the cross. Thank you for the chance to meet together as your church. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.